Welcome back to The Sunday Show. I'm Rodney Cyrus. I hope you are all well and thanks for joining me once again. We follow on from the last moment of the previous podcast where there was the talk of a particular individual uh, upping sticks and leaving their abode. Messi is still the talk of the town. And it reminds me of a great film I saw, especially the one that I saw the other day because it was on. Christopher Nolan's Inception. What do you think of it? I like it. Uh, in the film Inception, the main character is played by Leonardo DiCaprio and he plays an industrial spy who plants sabotaging thoughts in the heads of unsuspecting individuals. Think of Messi, think of the film. Okay? Right, anyway. Um, so, at the beginning of the week, there are so many things that we could talk about, but it, it was kind of almost like a slow sports week, a news week, but it wasn't. Um, the unsuspecting individuals that I talk about in relation to the film um, Inception are you and I uh, planting those sabotaging thoughts. And we'll probably go around and claim that the things that we saw with regards to Messi to be true as they were at the beginning, which in fact they weren't or aren't, as they proved to be by the end of the week. It kind of sounds like you've been listening to politicians when I say that, but you know, anyway. Uh, Messi is definitely the talk of the town and he will be forever until he actually hangs up his boots. That is just the way it is with football and this particular young man. And he decided at the beginning of the week, which was shocking news in itself, to not to go for his COVID test. Shocking, as I've already said. Can you imagine anyone not taking this COVID thing, this pandemic, seriously? You can. Yeah, I know, some, I, I know a few people as well. Anyway, uh, Messi, according to the newspapers, had at that point in the week, the beginning, more or less, right at the start, end of the weekend, had failed or refused to go for his COVID test, right? Which then resulted in him not being permitted or even uh, allowed to attend training with the other Barcelona players. Now, if you were in a high profile game and we've known for a while since Project Football returned that footballers were the one and only group who were always tested on a frequent basis. So if you have someone in your camp who's refusing to test, obviously it's going to be that they're not going to be permitted to be allowed around the other players because of the, you know, apart from the financial fallout, just the actual kind of backlash that may follow. But this is messy, so he can probably do whatever he wants to do, which has been the case. Now, with um, him not being allowed to train with the players, it added fuel to the fire in terms of the story about him wanting to go away. This is a man who's been attached to Barcelona from the age of 13 or 14. So he pretty much hasn't got a very good memory of his home in terms of Argentina. Barcelona, i.e. Spain, is his home. And we need to remember that. So with that in mind, was it going to be any other way? Now, the messy thing is 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 a thing. It, it, it sends shockwaves around the world. It sends shockwaves through the world of sport and everyone wants to talk about it. But when you basically start at any point and you start to think of uh, the whole Messi thing and, you know, Barcelona going away, you know, it, 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 in terms of films, and, and I use films as inception as an example of the whole 
relationship with Messi, Barcelona and everyone around them, there is another film. When you have the ending of a particular film, episode, saga, you don't want the good guy to die. You want the good guy to live on forever. You want him to be there forever and a day. You want him to be part of the backstory. You want him to go on beyond his playing careers and be the manager and be the owner. You want all of those things for him because it's Lionel Messi. But Lionel Messi may in fact be no more than any of the characters in a Star Wars film where the main character gets killed. I'm still shaking my head about that whole Luke Skywalker thing. Anyway, with regards to Messi, and it is about Messi, and it has been Messi. Allegedly, this is the thing, he is far from happy with the way things are at Barcelona, which has been evident for quite some time. And he has, I would assume, from my opinion and those around, that he's been watching a crumbling empire within. But we've been watching it from a distance. And even though we've been watching it from a distance, at no point in time have we blamed him for the empire crumbling. We've blamed everyone else. We've blamed the managers. We've blamed the owners. We've blamed the other players. But this is not the same man who was the same player at 26 or 24 or 25. He's 33. And like with most things, as you get older, things become slightly more difficult and you don't necessarily have the best period in your life in terms of play. It's sport. It's high intensity sport. You know, this is what it is. And it's no different to any man. And even with Ronaldo, everyone says, oh, he's great and he scores goals. He's still getting older. He's not the player he was when he was 25. And the same is said for Messi. And this is the thing. He's part of a crumbling empire. And as well as we're watching it from a distance happen, it's, it's very difficult to say that it has nothing to do with him because those that come in to manage that crumbling empire feel very hamstrung because they actually have to kind of cater for him even though the empire is crumbling. They need a new wave of players who will probably arrive in some way or shape or form on loan or purchased and it may result in him jokingly losing his parking space and he might not like that. And I know we're talking about Messi and we're treating him as, you know, like, you know, the second coming or maybe the third coming, I'm not sure. But Messi actually leaving Barcelona is nothing more than a joke or a hoax or a, it's a myth. You have to kind of treat it the same way as someone saying that they can actually turn off the sun for a few hours because it's too hot. When you think about it, no one can turn off the sun. And Messi, at this moment, even though he says he was going to leave, was never really going to leave. It is, in effect, Messi, Barcelona, and those around, nothing more than a big pantomime. And it's a pantomime which has been a long time in production, and we're just seeing it unravel, and we're seeing what has now happened behind the curtains once they leave the stage. Anyway, away from Messi for a moment, and we jump away from the beginning of the week, and we move on to Tuesday. Some of this was rumbling on Monday, but Tuesday, the news which grabbed everyone. Mr. Rashford, Marcus Rashford, doing what's best, not scoring goals, not necessarily just being a role model for Manchester United, not being a hero in his hometown, being that boy who did everything well and ended up being on the winning side and playing in front of 60,000 roaring fans. We're talking about something else. Rashford speaks up for hungry children. 
and he's doing his level best to make it a national debate and discussion. Now, Marcus Rashford is speaking up for poverty in terms of those who face poverty and hungry children because he was one of those hungry children. Poverty and hunger is something which should not be happening in the year 2020. And let's face it, there were claims many years ago, probably after the war, where they said there was going to be a war on poverty, that poverty would be tackled and poverty would be removed and children would no longer go hungry and children would never want for food and children would never want for and so on and so forth. And we know this is not the case. We know we live in a world where inequality exists and there are children, despite everyone walking around with a smartphone and a nice new LED TV and a nice new sofa from DFS or wherever you buy yourself from, there are individuals in this country who get up every day and struggle to have a meal at the beginning of the day and look forward to having lunch at school and struggle to have a meal at the end of the day. They are children. And Marcus Rashford is doing his level best to tackle poverty and hunger and remove it so that they are able, the, and I say they, children, the very children who wear Manchester United shirts and any other football shirt, England, you name the team, Chelsea, Tottenham, Spurs, allowing these children to actually go to the dinner table and not look at it and, if, and, and look at the dinner table as something where something is not going to happen. Now, when you look at certain sections within society, and I know that people talk about sport and politics should never mix, and there has been a lot of debate, especially in the year 2020, when it has really come to the fore with the inequalities that have been faced around the world and people standing up and speaking out. When you look at certain sections within society where salaries in particular sports, we could use football, or you could also use American football or basketball or anything else, where salaries are out of this world in astronomical proportions to many people, poverty and hunger, poverty and hungry children are still a cause for concern. So in Marcus Rashford, we see a young man at the forefront of an issue, not necessarily just at the forefront of a sporting issue, but of an issue. When people talk about, you know, um, all lives matter, well, all hungry lives matter. And when it's in relation to young children, regardless of their creed, regardless of their colour, regardless of their religion, then Marcus Rashford is doing what he needs to do and what we basically are applauding him for. He's a young man who knows from personal experience all too well what it is like to be hungry and to see his parents or parent work long hours for very little money and then have to juggle so to make ends meet and feed her children. He knows firsthand. We are all aware of Marcus Rashford, the footballer, but we are now aware of Marcus Rashford, the humanitarian. That is a very good thing. And when individuals, whoever they are, wherever they are, they talk about politics and sports should not mix. I'll be frank. Shut up. And step in line. Marcus Rashford is doing what he needs to do because he truly believes it is important. A footballer who wants to be seen to be doing good and not just someone who will be spoken about in the mainstream media in whispered voices of, oh, he does so much for charities, but no one knows about it. Everyone knows about what Marcus Rashford is doing and everyone should be applauding what Marcus Rashford is doing in terms of things that are taking place off the pitch, 
because he has a platform and he's using it in the right way. And I know that we're talking about sport, but this is about a sporting hero, a young man who is doing everything in his power to change things, to change things on a, in a landscape and on a landscape which isn't correct, which isn't right, which has inequality, which has hungry children. And I call him Mr. Rashford. It's not even so much Marcus Rashford, it's Mr. Rashford. He's not a boy, he's a man. Mr. Rashford has demonstrated his focus and his purpose by creating a child food poverty task force. And we could use the word allegedly because some will probably say that he didn't actually create it, but so what? Even if he didn't, he's heading it up. So we have to go with that. The task force itself includes Aldi, includes Tesco's, includes Deliveroo, and the well-known brand colleague. Um, Kellogg's, his colleagues, it could be his colleagues, and all of these individuals have forged together their own task force, have come together and they want to change the way that poverty is being tackled because it isn't necessarily being tackled by the politicians who are meant to be looking out for young people, who are meant to be looking out for those who are at the wrong end of equality, this disparity which clearly has risen in the last 10 to 15 years. The politicians who we elect so wholeheartedly and said, can you take over and look after us, have not done this. So Marcus Rashford, Mr. Rashford, put pen to paper or typed it up and printed it out, an open letter to the government and set out new policy goals, requested that there is a, a, a an alteration, that the long stand, there is long-standing change to a policy in a way that children are not disenfranchised, they're not disadvantaged, they're not left behind. And a hungry child doesn't focus in school, a hungry child doesn't focus, a, hum a hungry child does not learn and develop into a young and fully balanced adult or young person. The policy needs to change and change which will benefit children. And this is about change and this is driving change which will impact on society but will impact on sport. Marcus Rashford is doing things not only for himself, but he's showing that sport is something for good, something where change can come about. He doesn't want to see children go hungry anymore. And in the letter it stated that food poverty is contributing to social unrest. And when I say about a child that doesn't focus in school, then you understand what I mean. If they're not focusing in school, their life chances are dramatically reduced. Food poverty is contributing to social unrest and along with this, in the letter he shared about his own childhood experience. The letter, in fact, was heartfelt and it illustrated a lived experience with so many individuals who are saying, basically, that you shouldn't mix politics and sport. They don't have that lived experience. They have a very, you know, elitist experience. They have a very narrow experience. They don't have the lived broad experience of having to go without and see someone say i'm sorry we don't have this but we only have this but is this really what we want to see from our footballers some will say no others will say yes and some may just not care they just be like well he can do what he likes do we want them to be involved in politics? And I say, do we want them as footballers or do we want Marcus Rashford to be involved in politics? Well, from the political position, I'm sure that the current government like being linked to a high profile footballer because let's face it, at the beginning of this pandemic, when footballers were literally thrown under the bus, 
they've done quite well footballers they've shown that they can do things for the community and they've spoken up and done very very well Marcus Rashford is no different to anyone else but politicians they have actually taken advantage of the situation and they're using it for their own goods in terms of do we want footballers or Marcus Rashford to be involved well for me there's nothing wrong with being involved in politics if you're a footballer there's nothing wrong with having an opinion there's nothing wrong with um, speaking out on inequality and disadvantage and and helping others this is what you want to see you know I've been watching this week the all or nothing Tottenham Hotspurs where they have players going around and delivering food to food banks and school visits and you know, people think that politics only takes place in West Westminster. It doesn't. Politics is everything. Politics is inequality. And if you have a football club sharing food or delivering food, that's politics. If you have a football player going to visit a school to inspire and show hope and play a part in education, that's politics. It's speaking up on public life. Those areas of public life are not separate from politics because when there is a problem with uh, food or hunger we'd speak to politicians but when there isn't a problem politicians don't speak so if a footballer or Marcus Rashford wants to speak up about things that are passionate to them from a sporting world or from a sporting platform there's nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that at all there's nothing wrong with sharing life experience in a different way and doing it very well and doing it passionately and doing it with a cause he isn't and I say he Mr. Marcus Rashford. He isn't waiting until the end of his career to write a book and aim to grab a slot as a pundit. He's doing something now. He is about real and lasting change. It is a heartfelt approach to something which he understands as a footballer, as a young man, as a young black man, as a young boy who grew up in Manchester, as a young boy who watched his mother work long hours and be unable to give them food in Manchester, he's doing what he needs to do. So when individuals say he shouldn't be involved, no one ever spoke to him when he was a boy and he was hungry. No one ever said, oh, never mind, when you're a footballer, you don't have to worry about these things. Nothing was guaranteed. But what he's doing is that he's paying back. He's going back and he's not only just going back locally, he's doing it nationally. But this doesn't sit well for some because they question his motives. His motives are questioned. He's doing the job of a politician. He should not be allowed to do that. Why? Politicians aren't doing it. They're not doing it. They're not, they don't even have the clout to do it, nor the whereabouts or the drive or the passion or the lived experience. Most of the politicians are from elite backgrounds. What would the world be like in terms of equality, poverty, hunger, even race equality, if the politicians were from the sporting world, if they came up through the inner cities, if they came up and they had state education and they weren't all from, well, you know where. Marcus Rashford is seen as, or, sorry, Mr. Marcus Rashford, his steps are seen as being out of line and out of time, but no, they're not. He is very much in time and ahead of time and he's not waiting, as I've already said, for him to finish his book. He's doing something much, much more important. With so many current stories with regards to footballers, 
and we're fed with them, fed, fed stories about footballers and their former lives and the funny moments and things that happened in dressing rooms, which is great. Marcus Rashford is doing something different. He's creating a different story. He's creating a different story for others. He's creating a different story for himself. And he won't be doing, I doubt very much, the after-dinner speech about life under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. When Marcus Rashford finishes his career, whenever that is, and it may be a very long career, he will probably be courted as the main speaker and sponsor for like UNICEF function or a much lauded platform that we talk about, like FIFA. Marcus Rashford is, for me, the hero of the week. But there is still Messi, which is kind of the joke of the week. Moving away, we jump on a hop and a skip away from Mr. Marcus Rashford. Full title, please. Wednesday, news of equal pay. Equal pay. Equal pay. Equal pay after years of uh, not being paid equally. On the CNN website, it caught my eye. The story unfolded about Brazil. Everyone loves that colour, Brazil. The colours, they love, they love it. The Brazil women's football team, they say soccer, but we know it is football, okay? Uh, will now receive the same pay as their male counterparts. Brazil, you know, everyone knows about Brazil's current political situation. See, the whole thing with politics is coming in. Because the political thing and the, the shirt is there's a thing. There is a thing. Uh, the political situation in Brazil, you know, has been dominating the news for some time and for all the wrong reasons. So the news about Brazil's women being paid equally goes against that trend. The Brazilian Football Federation swam against that tide. This new policy means that every female player representing Brazil, or every player, should I say, representing Brazil, uh, will receive equal daily rates and prize money when on international duty. The statement and part of the statement on the CNN website provided the details and it stated that, I quote, women will receive the same daily rate as those who already receive them. The women's team that wins or progresses through the stages at next year's Olympic Games will receive the same as men. I mean, there was so, so much more, but that was very, very powerful and very, very, it's very key, extremely key, key moment. Um, for me, this was very good. This is a good step going in the right direction in terms of pay parity, especially when you're representing your country. If you are at the elite level of sport and your country is asked you to put on the colours and represent them in an international tournament, then they need to pay up. Very simple. At the very least, this policy should have been implemented years ago. Years ago. Everyone knows the colours of Brazil. The, the fact that they've only been paid equally now, have to, as, as, as much as it is good, it is a joke. It is a joke. In spite of what I believe, it isn't the same for every top level female footballer in England. Okay, England made a similar announcement on the same day, which must be applauded. But what about the other countries? Okay, not the same. Still a long way to go. There's more work to be done. And when we look up to and use footballers as leaders of change, like Mr. Rashford, the theme of equal pay in any area of work, let alone sport, is portrayed as a delicate issue. Everyone says, oh, we've got to be careful. It's a very delicate issue. 
where individual circumstances must be taken into consideration. And it's equal pay if you're playing football, especially for your country. It's, it's straightforward. You put on a jersey, get paid the same. In football, there is no such consideration about equal pay. Much of the salary conversation, particularly from the fan base, is driven by what a player might be worth in the future. Okay, this, this is the craziest thing. What you might be worth, potential based as opposed to evidence-based. It's like predicting along the lines of, you know, where the end of the rainbow actually touches the ground. No one knows what a player's gonna be like in two or three years time. It's like the gold rush gone wrong, you know. Whilst watching um, football elsewhere, something jumped to my mind. So I, we have these two stories kind of merging for me. Brazil, women being paid equally, and then there's a game which taking place and I, I kind of carry the two, which is much, much later in the week because there's so much, there's still the messy story going on, which is messy. So the start of the Women's Super League is, is around the corner and there's so much happening and, and the, the Champions League has ended and there's conversations going on about the players arriving, you know, is Tobin Heath arriving at Manchester United Women, is Christine Press arriving at Manchester United Women, um, has anyone seen Lucy Bronze, has anyone seen Alex Greenwood, so, you know, all those things, all those questions, where are they, where are they? So we move forward and away from Brazil Women, I think, remember about the whole thing about equal pay, the pay thing is really key, especially international, but in, in club football, what does it actually mean? So I'm watching the first game of the 2020-21 season, right? The season opener, Manchester City and Aston Villa. It was a good game. Um, the commentator made what I thought to be an interesting comment and prediction. Or it could have been or a prediction, I don't know. He claimed that it wouldn't be too long before the first million pound player would materialise in women's football. Right? His co-commentator did not respond to that, you know, and I guess for good reason too. Um, his suggestion followed the recent arrival of a one particular Pernell Harder from Wolfsburg, who, were, who was in the Champions League, to Chelsea uh, for a reported £300,000, right? So, okay. There is money in the world of football. And we have already mentioned in brief that some of the female players will now be paid on an equal basis while playing for their country, Brazil and England, of course. But when so many of the women's teams around the world, definitely in the UK, are part-time, where funding is unbalanced and unequal and expectation from fans doesn't always appreciate the imbalance, how does this prediction of a potential £1 million player help or hinder the women's game i mean and i asked the question generally because i haven't got the answer you know and i was lost in thought as soon as he made the comment and it and it truly did take my attention away from the game which was a good game it had dashes of poor defending and decision making but it was still a good game what would a million pound player do to a sport which is far from the finished article right that's a question could it help drive up the attention for the league? Another question, don't know the answer to it. Could it help drive up attendance when fans are finally allowed back into the stadium? Possibly, but it definitely will drive up prices of tickets. So many teams run their books on short-term contracts. So what does this mean if you're signing a player for that amount of money? How long is the contract? Is it a year? Is it two years? Is it three years? 
how do other clubs compete and generate the revenue to match or stay even close to something like that? Players don't usually move between clubs for huge fees. We've seen this. They're more inclined to be released or go out on long-term loans. So again, how are they meant to match this or stay close to this? £300,000 reportedly, a million pound? Can you imagine a million pound? We're, we have trouble actually seeing all of the games live, but a million pound? All of the questions are food for thought. How one potential transfer can skew the balance of power and the balance of perception on what is really happening and what is really possible. No idea. But it's a very good, it was a very interesting comment and it's posed a number of questions. Questions which we will no doubt come back to. So, even though that game took place, it's the end of the week and before the game, I thought I'd leave this bit to last. End of the week and it's messy again. I told you this film Inception was told you it's like that uh, Messi isn't going anywhere heart to heart sit down apart from him being back to training he's not going to leave the club because he hasn't the heart of leaving the club and he doesn't want to take Barcelona to court <laughs> dramas no one's really surprised and, and to tell the truth I doubt no one really cares um, he's had a good run um, and after what can only be described as probably the worst adult-sized tantrum in football, everyone's going to shrug their shoulders and go, really? Who guessed? Um, with regards to Messi leaving Barcelona, I've been to Barcelona many times on holiday, loved it. And I always hated returning home. Such a nice city, good food, excellent weather. And let's be honest, with all of those things that I mentioned, did people really think he was going to leave? No way. That's it for today, people. This is The Sunday Show. I'm Rodney Cyrus. And if you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, why not give it a five-star review? Anyway, until next time, I'm out of here. See you soon. Bye for now.